Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. Anything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Fran Duffy. That's right another week, and we are talking O-line plays. The Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 184. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with a really important person in today's show, and that's Duke Mannyweather, an offensive line developer and a tutor who works with players all around the NFL, college football, high school, all three levels of the game. And we're down here, because I'm actually recording this, from the star in Frisco, Texas. And we're, ta- we're at the Offensive Line Mastermind Summit, and it's run by Duke and a ton of great offensive linemen from around the NFL here in attendance, including Lane Johnson and Brandon Brooks. But we're going to talk with Duke all about offensive line play. We'll talk about this event and developing players at the NFL level. Let's get to that chat now in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Well, joined here now by Duke Mannyweather, and we're down here in Frisco, Texas. Duke, uh, tell us about the, the O-Line Mastermind Summit. Just tell, take us through the entire event. I think this is the third year that you guys have been kind of doing it officially, right? Uh, really officially the second year. The second year, Yeah, okay. but third year kind of with the, the concept. Uh, the first year we did it, it was just a Saturday morning thing that we would do weekly with a group of five or ten of us doing extended mobility and things of that nature um, and then talking about ideas and best practices. But last year... Uh, really what it, what it came from is I was watching NFL 100 and Lane came on, Lane Johnson came on and talked about how we need to all get in a room and figure out how to stop these guys. These guys, as he was referring to NFL pass rushers and D tackles and DNs. So I immediately, I had trained Lane in 2013 and 14. So I immediately got on the phone with Lane. I said, Lane, I just heard you say this. He's like, yeah. <laughs> and so he goes, what you thinking, boss? And so I told him, I said, this is what I'm thinking. I said, I've been listening to a bunch of Napoleon Hill um, talking about the mastermind principle. When two or more uh, parties come into um, existence with each other, it creates really a fail-proof venture when their trajectory is trying to go in the same direction. So that was really the concept. So I told him, I said, listen, I said, I'm going to invite every contact I have on my phone, and I'm going to reach out to people that I don't even have a contact and tell them this is what we're trying to do. So I reached out to Baylor Scott & White here last year. I had a contact here uh, with a beautiful facility. They weren't even open yet, but they welcomed us with open arms. We had about 26 guys. Uh, we threw it together in about a month, month and a half with 26 guys we had over 700 starts in the room uh three super bowls uh two all pros and you know it was a it was a it gained great traction this year the immediately after i walked out of the room last year i had all these great ideas of how to improve it and so i immediately got to work um kind of told lane what i was thinking um, Lane hooked me up with Brian Bradkey, his marketing guy, um, and Brian has been great in um, helping me with different sponsorships and ventures and stuff like that. I kind of took care of the home front here in uh, Frisco, Texas, with some of the relationships I had here around the star. Um, and so really what I did is I went and leveraged uh, you know, who I am as a person and what I could provide in terms of experience and 
and let them know I didn't have a budget. I said, but what I can provide is X, Y, Z type of exposure. And some of the names involved, um, you know, luckily, you know, guys like Teron Armstead was an All-Pro last year. Mitchell Schwartz, first team All-Pro last year. Um, you know, Lane was an All-Pro the year before. We got Charles Leno here who made it to the Pro Bowl. Andrews Pete who made it to the Pro Bowl. Um, so there was a lot of good names, a lot of good stuff uh, going on. But the whole objective and the whole point of getting all these guys in the room is to understand that what you're going through you're not alone. There's guys all across the league going through some of the same things. Um, there's more than one way to skin a cat. And there's some people that cr try to criticize that, 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 uh, that quote, but the fact of the matter is, is there's guys in this room that are highly successful that do things differently. And so the goal and the objective is to take little pieces of each person's game and tailor make it to what best works for you. At the end of the day, you can't go far away from what got you in this position in the first place. So I don't ever pretend to be the smartest person in the room, especially when it comes to the guys in the arena. These are the guys that are doing the things. These are the guys that are blocking three techniques. These are the guys that are, you know, uh, pass protecting against some of the, the best edge rushers in the league. I said, but what I do know how to do and what I can't provide is my perspective from being a college coach to an evaluator and now to being a developer of offensive line play. And I've had the fortunate enough to be, able to work with some of the best, learn from some of the best, develop some of the best, consult with some of the best. And so through all of that, part of elite mindset and, and, and gathering information and things of that nature is the ability to have the, the, the urge to want to know any and everything towards your craft and to be able to bring somebody along with you to be able to give it back. And so once you take in all that information and all that type of stuff, it's very simple, all right? You got to give back. And so for me, giving back to a game that has given me so much is bringing all these guys together and realizing that I don't know everything, but I can hopefully help these guys take that next step. One of my favorite quotes is, there's no greater joy than pushing a man from point A to point B against his will. And that's not really a physical thing. That's more of a mental aspect. Helping to, helping to push a guy over a hump and to help him develop from point A where he starts to get to point B when he didn't think he could do it. You know, there's some guys in this room that have had success. Then there's some guys in this room that, you know, some are some regard struggling, you know, trying to stick on with teams and that nature. And I want them to know that they're closer than what they think. A lot of times, you know, the struggle and what you really are trying to achieve is right on the other side of that struggle. So you can't give up that. But the whole objective is just to get all this collective. You know, it's five guys on a unit, but we want to get, you know, multiple guys in with different perspectives, different backgrounds to really help to advance the game of online play. To me, like one of my goals in the podcast on a weekly basis, especially in the off season, is, you know, bring people on the show that, you know, have a passion for what they do and talk, get them talking about that passion. I love hearing people talk about what they're passionate about. And so coming down here, you know, I get right off the plane, I come down and I come right into the classroom and you hear all these names you're talking about, talking about offensive line play, talking about game planning for pass rushers and different techniques and what works for them, what doesn't work for them, asking questions of each other. I, I was blown away. I, I'm, now I'm excited for day two and day three here because it, it's, it's you can sense the, the passion in the room and all these guys just want to get better. Yeah, absolutely. I think the guys that have chosen to, to be here it, it, without question, they, they want to be the best that they could personally be, the best version of themselves. They're taking the initiative to, to go out there and span the waning days before camp to, to really put time in. I talked about over in one of the breakout sessions how our 
career and our bodies are much like a bank account. And if we have to continue to deposit, we can't always withdraw because eventually it's going to be insufficient funds. So these guys are making deposits into their career right now. Um, you could probably, you know, you could tell I'm passionate about it. Um, you know, and nothing I thrive off of more is than people telling me what I can't do and that what I can't get done and what I'm not qualified to do. And I say, simple, watch me. You know, um, at the end of the day, I've always known what my objective is, and that's to bring offensive line into the forefront and to help to advance the position um, at every level. Um, that's why I don't mind getting out there and grinding, put myself out on the line. Because again, like I said, I don't know everything, but uh, what I do know is from my experiences and then being able to work and train and be able to consult with some of the best. And again, man, this is this is something that is probably long overdue. Um, that it should have been done in the past. But I think, as we see now, we've got like 50 guys here or so. Uh, we had 26 last year, and this thing has continued to grow. I couldn't believe when we were almost running out of uh, chairs in the classroom. I, I struggled to find a seat. Yeah. Really got in so it was pretty, pretty damn cool. So a lot of Eagles fans obviously listening to the show, and you talked a little bit about Lane and what he, uh, you know, what he did early on in this process, mm -hmm. and you've coached him uh, going back a few years now. Talk about him as a player, his development, and just you know, where, how special he is as a, as a player. Yeah, I think um, Lane's really special because I think uh, it's important to realize that when he came out of Oklahoma, O-line was still yeah. rather new to him. Right. Um, he had played defensive end, he had played tight end, he had played quarterback. Uh, so, you know, time under tension and reps is really what it takes, um, you know, to, to develop in any position, but especially offensive line. Offensive line is a unnatural position. Uh, we're asked to go backwards and to mirror laterally and to be able to do things that the human body doesn't just naturally do. Um, it's the only position like that maybe besides uh, defensive back. Corner, yeah, sure, mm -hmm. yeah. So there's some similar parallels there. But in terms of Lane, Lane's athletic ability, athletic ability alone is not enough now in the NFL. You know, so you have to be able to mesh those physical traits with athletic ability and things of that nature and mesh and pair them with technique and critical factors and uh, tools of the game, because we all got gifts. You know, we all have God given gifts, um, wherever they may be, some physical, some, you know, mental capacity, some verbal. Um, it just it all depends, but being able to put all those together and create a, a, a skill set and a and a really uh, a, a solid career is what Lane's been able to do. Um, you know, just his ability to 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 explode into his pass set. Um, his use of hands is not like uh, other people. Um, he's really uh, significant with that in terms of the way he carries his hands and how he uses them overall. Um, his ability to even get movement in the run game. Um, he's a long, big, athletic SOB, but still plays with power. The cool thing about Lane is that he's a guy that really takes his development serious, um, whether it's body work, whether it's this professional development stuff. He has a passion for being the best he can be. And it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's the mental aspect, whether it's the physical aspect, he's always, I'll get a text message or a call from Lane randomly. Uh, and hey, what do you think about this? Cool, I just want to pick your brain about this. You know, it's just, it's just how he is. So I appreciate that, especially for a guy that has been able to accomplish um, all pro and pro bowl type accolades to continue to want more. Where do you think he's come uh, furthest along since you've been working with him uh, since day one to now? Probably overall approach. Yeah. I think he was always highly competitive. And I think sometimes highly competitive can 
puts you in situations where uh, isn't focused. I think he has more intent in what he wants to do now. Um, so now he understands what he's good at. He understands um, what his uh, toolbox is going to look like, what he's going to pull out in terms of uh, you know what his game is. So he has that, and he's continued to add to it. But now he does everything with intent. Uh, there's, he's not just going out there with intensity um, and and highly competitiveness with no no uh, no target. You know, it, everything is dialed in, channeled in. It's now a funnel. We talk about the funnel approach where everything is general and then it has to funnel down to a very specific. So that's one thing I've seen with Lane is just uh, in his growth is maybe a mindset, his intent, and then um, just you know the maturation as a, as a pro. And Lane's not down here alone this weekend. He, he brought down uh, his line mate, Brandon Brooks. Uh, what are your impressions of, of Brandon personally and then also uh, from an on-the-field standpoint? Yeah, you know, so Brandon, um, you know, I started communicating with Brandon about two years ago. Okay. And, uh, you know, Brooks had always wanted to come down here and kind of see what we do in terms of development and training, yep. and it didn't work out. You know, this year he had he's rehabbing from an injury, so sure. it didn't work out for him this year to come come down in, in terms of the development part. But he told me, he said, you know what, I'm going to be down there for Masterminds. So Brooks is a guy that I enjoyed watching when he was down in Houston. Um, some of the things that he's able to do, um, you know, it, it, it's wonderful. He plays football physical, but he's a big SOB that can move too. Um, but... Um, you know, the, the, the fun thing about Brandon is is that his approach, again, he wants to be the best he can be. You know, the, the cerebral and the mental aspect of Brandon's game is what's really impressive. Um, you know, he's a guy that's not just big and physical, but he, he wants to understand why and how things happen and why the way they work. And he's able to articulate that as well. So I knew... Um, especially when you got a guy coming off an injury, the mental aspect al alone is very key in uh, you know taking that next step coming back from uh, rehab. I want to ask you what the hardest thing is uh, to coach for an offensive line. And obviously, look, it's a, it's a tough question to answer because everybody's different and everybody yeah. has different bodies and skill sets and their way to that they learn and uh, improve. But overall, what, what is the hardest thing to kind of coach at, at a young or developing offensive line? You know what? I wouldn't say the hardest thing to coach, but I'll definitely say one of the key areas of focus has to be this. We have to understand that offensive line starts from the ground up, all right? Effective, effective hands don't matter if your feet aren't efficient. So efficient feet allow for effective hands. You said that earlier, and I yeah. jotted that. It was one of the first things I wrote down. Absolutely. But when we look at it from the ground up, it all starts with a stance. It starts with a stance being functional as a two-point and three-point stance. Um, it starts with having a solid base and being able to replicate that base over and over again. Uh, once we have those tools for success and the ability to have that recipe, so to speak, then we can move on. When I, uh, when, when I do the Nike openings and the Nike 11 on camps, one of the things I do, always program my first session being 15 minutes of stance work. And it's a progression because we won't move in, we won't pass go, we won't go past uh, our stance work if we don't get it. If we can't get in a stance and get out of a stance, there's no need to teach anything else. Because as soon as our base isn't where it needs to be, we lose. So I'm really big on winning the block with your feet. Um, in terms of my own development plans, uh, when I get guys, I try to watch film on these pro guys, and I try to pick out, all right, what are they not so good at? 
And is it a technique issue? All right, is it a imbalance? Is it a deficiency or is it structural? And based upon that, most structural things we can't fix. But if it's an imbalance or it might be some type of restriction or some type of dysfunction in terms of mobility, uh, that's kind of where the strength and conditioning background comes in. And I'm always continuing to learn um, in terms of, you know, last year I got uh, functional movement specialist, level one, level two, functional range conditioning, um, neuromuscular reeducation, just some of the certs that I got last year to really help me understand the way the body works and how different things fire. So what I try to do is put a plan specifically towards each player. And so like right now I've got 26 guys down training with me and I'll pair groups based upon similar needs. And so we've got guys that are rehabbing from foot injuries and Achilles injuries. A lot of times, you know, their needs are very similar. Sometimes we got our longer tackles that may have some imbalances and shortening of the, you know, psoas and hip flexors on one side. I'm going to put them together and make sure that we get them mobile because my ultimate goal is to first move well then move off often so if we can get these guys moving the correct way and firing the correct way then we can go in and really develop them as offensive linemen and not putting horrible movement uh, mechanics over dysfunction sure. that allows us to get way more out of teaching them how to pass set how to run block and that muscle memory people like to talk about than if they're banged up and they're trying to compensate and i guess if they're all together they are they're able to coach each other up because they're all looking at the same stuff for, with one another yeah absolutely so for instance this week we had a group that was trent brown uh, Teron Armstead, uh, Cam Robinson, and then Charles Leno. Okay. I mean, that's a pretty good, good tackle group, group yeah. there, that's you know. Um, so when you look at those, they're playing against guys. All those guys right now are competing to be all pros, plain and simple, and for Pro Bowl uh, spots. So when you see that, when you see what this guy's putting in next to you, and when you see, oh, he's got some of the same issues as me, and this is how we're going about to fix it, um, I think, it, it again, it's another form of professional development that guys are really invested into what they're trying to do. So two, four, two questions for you to wrap, to wrap this up. One, uh, one of my big things coming down here, you know, because offensive line play, you know, I never, I never played the position. It's still, I'm learning more and more about it. I'm as guilty as anybody to say like, oh, this guy's really good with his hands or he's not good with his hands. What, is that, what does that look like? Or what is, that, what is the definition of a guy who is good with his hands as an offensive it's really, it's really different depending on what guys are doing with their hands. So there's guys that are absolute devastating strikers that like to strike and recoil. There's guys who are really good with overall hand usage that can swat hands away, that can really get their hands up and underneath and leverage guys with hands and hips. Um, there's guys that are really good with just, you know, grabbing the hell out of guys and controlling them. So... Overall hand usage and a guy good with his hands um, can look at many different ways based upon what they're trying to do. The most important thing goes back to my rule. Efficient feet allow for effective hands. So if you see a guy's hands that aren't really good, go back and look at where his feet is getting them. Is he staying half man? What is he doing? You know. So I think that's important. Always look from the ground up and then see if, uh, if a guy's feet look pretty damn good and efficient, chances are you could probably fix some of his hand stuff. But if, it, if it's the other way around, you're not fixing that. If the tires are better than the car, the axles might be better. Hello. All right, so the final question for you. Uh, some people will describe offensive line play as a, you know, as a car wreck or you know, five seconds of battle. What is the best way for you and you know, a quick elevator speech to, to kind of summate offensive line play? You can say all that, but I like, I like poetry in motion. And the reason being is that you're getting some of the biggest, all right, some of the strongest, all right, but yet some of the most nimble human beings and athletes in the world. And it is. It's a two to three yard fight, but it's like a choreographed fight, all right? Because now you're trying to counter, all right? 
and now you're trying to push a guy against his will. You're trying to impose your will on somebody that doesn't want their will to be imposed on. So for offensive line, it's special because our mindset, we have to have a short memory sometimes. Um, and we have to understand that going backwards is what we have to do in pass protecting, but it's not a passive motion, all right? We're not retreating, all right? Pass protection isn't passive. So I think a lot of times people say, oh, I like to run block because I'm more aggressive. Well, you can be just as aggressive and pass protection. But if I had to sum it up, I would say it's poetry in motion. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's a simple kind of lovely in terms of, you know, putting, you know, power, strength, explosives into agility, you know, and then just pure wanting to take somebody's life. <laughs> well, dude, this is, this is an awesome event. I'm so excited for the next couple of days just to keep learning more about the game and keep hearing these guys who are so passionate about it trying to get better. Really appreciate the time here on the Eagle Island Sky podcast. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me, man. Well, that was just great stuff from Duke, and as expected, because this event has been, as I said earlier, just awesome to kind of see unfold uh, just since I've been here over the last few hours. But uh, if you learned a little bit from, about offensive line play there, then I would urge you, again, one last time, go check out the Eagles Football Academy because it offers hands-on coaching and instruction for football players between the ages of 7 and 16. These are one-day clinics, and they're running out. This is the last time we're going to promote these on the show. So uh, go check them out. They're here at the NovaCare Complex. They feature feature non-contact drills led by top high school and college coaches, as well as appearances by Eagles players, cheerleaders, and swoop. The summer clinics are filling up fast, and like I said, they're running to a close. So visit PhiladelphiaEagles.com slash Eagles Academy to sign up your son or daughter today. All right, so like I said earlier, great stuff from Coach, and you, and you could follow him just like I do, at BigDuke50, and while you're at it, I'm at FDuffy3. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. You know how much I appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on all forms of social media. That is one way to support the show, but the best way is to go into Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, give us a rating, and even leave us a comment. We've got a couple of people to catch up with this week. Here are from our Apple Podcast page. Again, you guys did a great job over the last couple of weeks of going back and rating and reviewing the show. So here are a couple of questions that I wanted to fit on here today. First up, RJ Field asks, hey, Fran, can you do a segment on the Eagles' Corey Graham role, quote-unquote, quote, as the third safety and how Andrew Sandejo versus Jalen Mills versus Razul Douglas versus Avante Maddox may fit there this year. So, RJ, it's a great question. Um, you know, and the Eagles have used a good amount of big nickel over the course of the last two seasons as dime as well with six defensive backs. And I think ultimately – they're not going to kind of shoehorn it uh, into anything that doesn't fit. They're going to use the personnel the way that they see fit, and I know who, they're always going to try and get the best guys on the field, right? So uh, whoever wins the the start of the nickel job and, and the regular nickel, you know, if it's Avante Maddox, he's a guy who's played some safety for the Eagles last year. They may not have a big nickel, so we really it, it really ultimately comes down to getting the best guys on the field, and that's that's why you saw look when when injuries happen at the second level at, at linebacker during that Super Bowl run. You know Jordan Hicks goes down with an injury. That's why you saw more dime because the Eagles felt okay. Our best package is with six defensive backs and one linebacker as opposed to two linebackers on the field. That's how the Eagles the coaching staff is going to operate. They're always going to try and get the best guys on the field. It's all about 
getting the best 11. So uh, whether that's Andrew Sandejo, whether that's Avante Maddox, or if it's somebody else that's in the slot, if it's Sidney Jones, if it's Jalen, you know, I, I don't know that Jalen Mills or Rasul Douglas right now are going to be in the mix for a, be playing as a safety role. I think both guys are outside corners. That's everything that the coaches have said uh, both over the course of both of their careers, and I don't expect that to change at this point. But, you know, you look at Maddox, you look at Sandejo, don't count out a Blake Countess who was brought back uh, to the Eagles this offseason from the L.A. Rams. You look at Trey Sullivan, another young safety. It's a good safety group. So if those guys come in, compete well this summer, have good camps, have good preseasons, now they're contributing and trying to find playing time. Maybe they do work in into a big nickel look or into a dime look. But ultimately, I think that that's ultimately you're whenever you're asking this kind of question, it's going to come down to getting the best guys on the field. All right, one last question comes from Iowa Eagles 11, said how much he and his wife both enjoy the show and asked how I think the Eagles play out with the rest of the NFC and where I would rate the offense and the defense between the other teams in the conference. So I'm not going to rank all, all 32 teams or all 16 teams in the AFC or in the NFC, uh, you know, and where the Eagles rank. All I'll say is this. The Eagles have a very talented and deep uh, roster, and that's a credit to Howie Roseman and the whole personnel staff. That's a credit to Doug Peterson and the coaching staff for developing those players and getting them to where they are right now. And it's a it's a really really strong roster. There's a lot of work to do. That being said, you know you still have training camp. You got the preseason. You have the the regular season. We know as Eagles fans and as NFL fans in general. Football's a crazy game. You've got to be able to you know, get these wins, stack wins early on in the season, put yourself in position to compete late, and that's what this team is going to try and do. Uh, I don't know that it is a great exercise to try and rank. I know it's this time of year during the summer where we want to do those kinds of things, but ultimately this is a very talented team. They're going to be in position to compete in this conference and in this league for, for a Super Bowl championship. So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch them go out and compete. But that being said, long, long way to go long before we can ha start having that kind of discussion. So thanks to all of you out there for leaving those comments, leaving those ratings, and thank you, as always, for listening to the show, whether it's on any of those platforms or over on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. All right, great stuff this week from Duke and all of you out there listening, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play. You guys know all the platforms by now, of course, on PhiladelphiaEagles.com or the Eagles, map, uh, Eagles app. Again, thank you. One more time, take a few seconds, go leave us a rating, leave us a comment. Uh, all that being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Line this podcast fueled by Gatorade. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I'm Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.